Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Flatiron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. This show is brought to you by Flatiron's Tuning, your source for any aftermarket or OEM Subaru parts. Be sure to check out our store at flatironstuning.com and stay tuned with Flatiron's Tuning. All right. Welcome back everybody to the Flatiron Syndicate Podcast. This is episode number 119. Got Dylan and Wyatt in the shop. And as we start off here, we want to talk first about... Uh, the new BRZ TS that got revealed at Suvi Fest. Uh, we knew that it was coming out, and uh, we even had a couple of people ask us what our take on it was. So, basically, this new uh, trim level of the BRZ, it comes with Brembo brakes and STI tuned suspension, Hitachi dampers. Um, what do you guys think? Is this is this good? Is, do, you, do you like it? What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean. In comparison to the last BRZ TS, it seems underwhelming to me. Like, the old BRZ TS had a really cool lip kit and, and the cool spoiler. Yeah. And so, to see no exterior modifications made, it's like, well, come on, guys. Yeah. It's but, very understated, for sure. It's yeah, like, and the, the BRZ, ha- the new BRZ has so much potential to look good. Yeah. Now, Brembo's cool. For sure. Yeah, Brembo, that's awesome. Uh, the suspension, going to get upgraded anyway. I mean, it was it was good. I'm sure that it's even better yeah, now. Yeah, but, I yeah. mean, I think most of us would do coilovers anyway. So, yeah. what, what's yeah. the matter? Right. Ultimately, I'm a total fan of the new BRZs. Cool, yeah. it's a TS. I don't know that I'd pay, you know another six to ten thousand dollars for one hopefully not that much hopefully not that much i i know i wouldn't pay like but definitely not ten. Ten, ten seems nah. way too much no i would only pay ten if it had an fa24 with a turbo in it right yeah. <laughs> then i'd pay 10 yeah that'd be awesome then, then ten yeah uh, sure yeah that'd i've be been cool. really really hoping that one of these performance packages for the brz is going to come out with some sort of turbo motor, two liter, two four, something. But I, I just I, don't yeah. think Super's gonna do it. No, I know. It's yeah, it's sad. It would push it into that like different market of competing with the Supra yeah. versus you, the GR86. You directly compete with the four cylinder yeah. Supra. Yeah, and I think that's where like Toyota's never gonna let that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're they're different cars certainly, but yeah, I mean, I think I think a turbocharger from the factory is just, I just. I just can't see it happening. Yeah, and uh, it'd also be borderline dangerous. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, for sure. True, but, you know, like, to, to your point about the suspension, the suspension was already good. Yeah. You know, like, if they would have taken that budget to create those new dampers, and they would have, like, redesigned the intake manifold or something, or done done some, like, small tweak to the engine so you get Bump another it. 5 or 10 horsepower. I, I was yeah. saying, thinking 25. Well, I mean, 25 would be great. But yeah, and it's doable, Probably it's doable. Probably. Like, yeah. Why not? Like, yeah, STIs have different cams from WRXs, so sure. why not do an STI cam for the BRZ engine? Mm-hmm. You know, I'd imagine it might just be like an efficiency standpoint at this point, like trying to keep cars having good mileage and, well, and still selling. And how much how them. much recertification would they have to do? Yeah. So like, if they've already done all of the testing and certification for the existing engine, and they can make these small like chassis changes, and they don't have to recertify the car. Then that probably makes it. That, then that Cost makes it much less, less check. Yeah, uh, much, less, much less expensive. But then the other question too is like, what is going to be the production of the TS? Like, is it is it going to be anybody that orders one gets one, or is it going to be five hundred units or something yeah. like that? Well, the last generation BRZ TS, it was pretty much anybody who wanted one got yeah. one, right? But this this seems like it's it's basically the Subaru version of the G GR eighty six Trueno. Sure. And that one is limited to I think eight hundred and sixty units, or something something longer. Sure, it's, it's limited, but it's not like crazy. But there's also a little bit more of that heritage with Toyota, where yeah. they're able to make it like a super special edition car like that. Yeah, I think that I mean, there there was a like a track package that was available as an option on on the first gen BRZ where you right. got the Brembos and such. This is to me is just largely making that available again. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is good yeah, because sure. I mean, if you if you want to get a BRZ and you want to track it, I mean, getting Brembo brakes that's a big deal. Yeah, for sure. Um, being able to just get the car with it from the factory is that's I mean, 
if that's what you want to do with the card, this is the one to get. For sure. Versus getting the stock one and then knowing that, hey, if I, I really want more capable brakes, I'm going to have to spend yeah. probably... $5,000? Yeah, four to five. Yeah, yeah. something, something like, like that. that. Just just to get these Brembos that are now available on A this stock trim. car, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, we were talking about it a little bit before, but there, there are a couple uh, STI logos that are like Easter eggs hidden inside the car. Like yeah. the, this push button start says STI. Um, there's there's an STI logo on the tag. I mean, there's some there's some other nice little accoutrements mm-hmm. right. to make it seem like hey, this is the STI version. And the BRZ the interior was already way nicer than the GR86 interior. Yeah. yeah. On a different level, the I feel like even the higher end Toyotas like Camrys, like yeah. the TRD Camry, that's a plasticky shit box. Sorry. <laughs> interior yeah. it's a, yeah, it's yeah. an interior f- for super cheap cars same right. with right. the corolla gr same with the yaris gr it's just like plasticky feels like children's toys on the inside mm-hmm. where the brz and the wrx they have really nice interiors yeah so i think those cute little things being added even though it's not an sti like I, yeah it, it's it's still cool super heritage i i think i mean it's like I said, if, if you want to track the car and you want that, a BRZ that's just that much more capable right out of the box to go to the track, I mean, this is this is yeah. the one just because sure. there's brakes. For like yeah. an entry-level enthusiast, someone who wants a lower horsepower rear-wheel drive car to get a feel for it yeah. and kind of start you know entering in events. Or just likes the, great the feel of driving the car. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's... I always say it's more fun to drive a slow car fast than a fast car slow. Yeah. And the BRZ platform has been one of those like kind of breath of new life into that rear wheel drive, not going to kill you like a Corvette and, will, like a, a Hellcat will. Like, what's that? And lightweight. And lightweight, exactly. Like so there, There's just that when you drive a car that is under 3,000 pounds, like, like you. It's a different you, feel. It's just, you feel that lack of weight right um and just just how responsive the car is how nimble the car is and for just, sure i mean cars these days they just keep getting heavier and so i mean even that even that experience like it, the suspension is well set up and just for sure the handling and the lightness of the car i mean it's they're hooked up fun. The brz's are really really grippy even yeah. out of the box so yeah I, I i think it's really cool the other thing i did see in the interior was the blue Alcantara in the seats yeah. and the blue stitching. If that's not available to be changed to different colors, if I can't <laughs> get gray, if I can't get red, yeah, like not. I'm not gonna buy a car with a red car with blue interior. I'm gonna puke. That'd be horrible. <laughs> right. So there's, there's gotta be some. Yeah, I wonder. Or, or they only come in like white, gray, blue. I was gonna say I haven't like seen the color options no, that they're offering no. them in, and the only version I have seen is blue with those gold brims. Right. So yeah, if that's just the only option for the TS, I guess it kind of makes sense. But I, I bet it's, that's the case. Yeah, it could be a bit of a missed opportunity for you know selling the different interiors. Yeah, to people and the old sure. BRZs came in, or the BRZ TSs came in a whole bunch of colors, right? I feel like I I've seen not not the not the actual TS. I mm, but I feel I like mean, they came in a few different colors that were not blue. I think it I, I might have been just blue and white. It's I know it's a smaller color palette than the BRZ, but I mean, yeah. still. Let let us know in the comments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 for it's sure. A little, it's a little foggy, one. but I I think it was a limited color selection. I would I would guess this will probably be limited color the selection. Same. Probably just for exactly the the reason you mentioned with the interior trim. I'm yeah. sure that they're not going to want to come out with two different color schemes of special edition seats, especially if, you know, they're only going to be making, you know, 500 of these cars yeah. or something like that. I so. I personally feel like there's no way they'll, they'll only make 500 of them. Like, or even maybe a limited the first year. run. Maybe the, yeah, maybe the first yeah. year, first production year. I'll, but I'll say this. I, I mean, I still, I really like this, but I think the, the best thing that Super could do is they need to continue making it available. Yep. Like yep, it, if I it's agree. if it's 2024, this should that the TS option should be something that anybody that wants a BRZ can order that car because I mean it's just better suspension and better brakes. And to take notes from Toyota yeah. about supporting the cars too, like if you're gonna offer these track package cars with yeah. bigger brakes and everything, maybe look at offering some sort of like class for these cars, like Toyota's doing with the GR86 Cup. 
I mean, it would be really I, cool to yeah. have some sort of competitor from Subaru. Uh, I, I think, I, my guess is that that, that Toyota GR86 Cup, that's all Toyota, and I, mm-hmm. I would bet you that it's, like, that is going to be only Toyota. Yeah, Which exactly. Is that's oh, yeah. the thing. Yeah. Subaru has to have something for people who buy these cars to do with them. And, you know, if mm. they want to really sell these cars and put that out in the market, I think... We need more of those events that are like the BRZ Cup and stuff like that. I mean, uh, well, if we're trying to get into all these new motorsports and there, everything, things like that exist, and there's certain classes where the BRZ fits really well into yeah. like SCCA yeah. or, or oh, NASA yeah. NASA racing classes. I would say that like rather than Subaru um, having like some kind of dedicated race series just for the BRZ, mm-hmm. they should just you know, come out with more performance parts for the yep. people that really want to drive the car. This kind of dovetails into the next topic, but, you know, STI, uh, Subaru Technic International, in, in Japan, it, it's kind of this subsidiary of Subaru. And, like, if you go back to, like, the late 90s, early 2000s and such, they had a lot of motorsports parts that they developed, like Gruben stuff. Yeah. That was, that was, those are made by STI or developed by STI in Japan and they made these competition parts available for people that wanted to use their WRX or STI in competition. Like a lot of this at, at, at this time, like 90s and 2000s was oriented around rally. Right. Um, but I mean, it, it just, it makes such a difference with that car, with those cars to have those parts that are available. I mean, we, we're still selling tons of group N engine mounts and strut mounts to this day, I mean, oh, there's, yeah. there's people like we were working with Cusco and and uh, and stuff, and we're using Group N engine mount or Group N strut mounts for these uh, the Cusco rally suspension still to this day. One of the best upgrades I've done to my car was the engine mounts. Yeah, so I think that what they need to do is if they if they're going to have this STA version, STI knows like three or five things that would that would make this car just that much more competitive or reliable. Sure come out with those parts, make them available like you did with the group in stuff, mm-hmm. you know, in the early 2000s. That I think would be the, the biggest the, game changer. And I mean, there's no true like car that's an STI anymore. Right. All of their kind of development power is probably on STE. Yeah. Whatever, mm-hmm. 10 years down the line. Yeah. But to keep those people busy, to keep those people making money, I think it does absolutely make sense to, you know, develop a few things for the BRZ past what will come with the TS package, you know. Yeah. Well, like what John said, they exactly they probably have a list of a few things beyond what's already on it. Like have to know this was stuff we could have put on, but it wasn't in the budget. You know, obviously that could be a great option to just offer as an accessory. Even the the FA drivetrain is already kind of noisy mm-hmm. so like i can also imagine that they're hesitant to add any more noise vibration and harshness to the car because right now they're very smooth yeah they're relatively quiet but regardless of that you can hear the direct injection pump in the injector sure, through the sure. firewall of every single fa car i've ever been in fb car yeah doesn't yeah. matter they're loud and clattery and yeah. i thought ej's were loud right so I also understand their hesitation to induce more of that into the car. Now, yeah. then you've got, you know, the hardcore race car guys that are, are completely down with, you know, polyurethane and all this well, crazy crap. But it's, but it's, it's not, it's not necessarily even going that far. It's, it's that, you know, you have this, it's a sports car. It's a, it, it truly it, is, it is a sports, sports car. car. It's a regular drive car. It's a coupe. It's, it's a coupe. low. It's tiny. It has a back seat. It checks. Like, well, and, and like, I remember when the, the beers you first came out, like one of the marketing things they had is with the hatch, like they specifically, you know, designed it so that you can put a spare set of wheels in a toolbox in the back and so you can drive it to the track and use the car. Yep. I mean, they, this is a sports car that they designed for people to use, and people are using it that way. Absolutely. I see um, BR, so many BRZs at the track yeah. every time I'm I there. Mean, for, FRS, GT86, whatever. For something like that, I mean, this is a great platform. Like, if you want to just get into a car that's, you know, easy to drive to the track, easy to drive at the track, yeah. and have fun, yeah. um, I mean, this is definitely a great platform. Having the manufacturer support the enthusiasts that want to do that, 
just that extra little bit. To, yeah. Like, the engineers design the car. They know, like, oil cooler. Like, all right? If you're going to be tracking the car and you want to keep oil temps, like, really in check, you know, how can you design an optimized oil cooler? Right. Yeah, there's some on the from the aftermarket, but that the super design one that it is even, like, the next level. Yeah. Probably. Um, I'm thinking, like, rear differential. You know, like, if, if they, they've had STI group in plated diffs and stuff in the past um, design some kind of like a motorsports rear diff that for the BRZ in the sweet that and, and the like awesome. alignment components like a, hey you know if you need some other uh, way to like align the, the front struts like maybe yeah. camber adjusting strut tops or something like that something mm-hmm. where like if you're really tracking this car and you really want it to get a proper motorsports alignment so you can get the maximum grip out of the car design a component, an STI component that really helps you maximize the sure. suspension. And then let the true aftermarket take care of the power side, I think is if, very if smart on the yeah. manufacturer's side. Yeah. Like then they're not recertifying the engine. They're not right. having to get these parts certified. Yeah. I think that's, you know, a very solid plan. And even on old Subarus, I feel like it's a blend of factory parts STI parts and aftermarket parts that really build the best car. So, yeah. and I think that rings true pretty much throughout motorsports. And I think from an enthusiast standpoint, looking at a platform to, to use as an enthusiast, knowing that there's OEM development, engineering, and, and part support that goes into like, hey, if I'm gonna get this car, like, like Corvette is a perfect example. I mean, there's so much engineering support from Chevy if you want to go out there and road race the car. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not crazy. They're not going to put a cage in it for you. No. But but the other, like, really beautiful thing about Corvette specifically, this is a total tangent, Yeah, is left front stuff is right rear stuff, and mm. right front stuff is left rear stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like... You only need one set of spares for the front or the rear, mm. and everything just flops corners. Yeah, Corvette. Yeah, ultimate car. But it, it's, but it's stuff like that. I mean, that that makes the platform more appealing. True. Like like just even yeah. even simplicity of spares and 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 just like knowing that you're going to have like some engineering some yeah. engineering force from the manufacturer to like really improve. And not to mention like all of us dealing with our our parts availability issues. The BRZ is a new platform. Mm-hmm. It's a platform that's under development right now, and it and it takes a long time for the aftermarket to catch up. It does, but on, on the other side of that, we'll be able to get parts for twenty more years. It's okay. the Hopefully, it's the type yeah. of car that you can like buy now, and it can be the car oh, for yeah. the next ten years or whatever, sure. and you'll still be able to get parts. Unlike us with our <laughs> right, GCs donors, and GDs, yeah. yeah, that's a whole other topic Super, you that we've talked new. about. But yeah. still, I think that the newness of the platform there, there's very few cars in its section, and yeah. it's perfect for enthusiasts. Yeah, and like so, this so the other topic that we want to talk about today is the re- reveal of the new um, WRX based Super Rally car, or the, or the VB WRX based Rally yeah, car. Twenty three R. Twenty three R from uh, from Subaru Motorsports USA and, and Vermont Sports Car, um, and it, it kind of relates to this because I mean this is a this is a factory backed effort. Yeah. You know, their Vermont Sports Car has gone in and done their whole thing. And, Work their wizardry to create this new rally yeah, car. Yeah, it's it's a Vermont sports car supported thing. I feel right. like, but uh, I, I think Subaru is, is funding Vermont sports car. I think yeah, Vermont, Vermont uh, sports car would not exist without Subaru's support. Agreed. Whereas yeah. Subaru would exist if Vermont sports car went away. They would find somebody else to make. They would to make cars like like ProDrive. You know when they were in, in WRC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, their their ProDrive isn't building cars anymore. Not for Subaru. I mean, uh, ProDrive okay. still exists. Uh, obviously, yeah. But, and they but, even yeah. did that, like uh, the P twenty five. Yeah, the P twenty five. Yeah, true. Yeah. But, but well, so so let's let's talk about this new rally car. Yeah. Initial impressions. What do you guys think? Uh. The hottest body kit I've seen on the 22 plus WRX body style. I like all the boxy fenders of the rally cars for sure, so I'm a yeah. huge fan of it. It's an interesting look for sure. It's very sleek for how like jagged all of the arrow is. Um, 
I do yeah. think that I was like really surprised about like the drivetrain being basically the same as the older rally cars from what we see. We don't have a ton of details, but you know, it's well, uh, okay. yeah. That what it's pretty it's almost certainly the same. Yeah. But but for good reason. But that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. Like not why fix what isn't broken? That that car dominates. It's fast. Well, all right. So, well, well there's a there's a really good reason because, or that drivetrain, I should well, say. Well, the reason that they're making this new car is because they had to basically take a step back because the class that they were competing in the open class doesn't exist anymore. So, so ARA is forcing them to kind of take take a step back. Um, but we'll we'll talk about that in general. What what are That's your impressions? That's ridiculous. Like? Uh, so, like we were saying, doesn't surprise me at all that they're keeping the drivetrain the same. Right. Uh, it's proven has so much development in it, and yeah. doesn't make sense to change up. I mean. As far as the chassis goes, I think the wheelbase might make it less nimble. The track width. This is because I'm fifty-fifty on. If it's based on the VBWRX, because it is a little bit longer and a little bit wider car. It is, yeah. So like your moment of rotation is larger. Could be. So now that might be helped by the little bit of extra track width, but. It's also engineered out by right. Vermont I mean, sports considering car. Considering it is basically the old drivetrain, I'd be interested to know if they kept the new chassis set up as far as you know location of wheels and wheelbase, or if it's just basically you can't change it. It's in the tubs. Oh well, the tubs are all gone. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, uh, this but the guy, wheel arches aren't. The but, wheel uh, archers are still in the same even location. The picture we've got pulled up, it's so, all carbon cutout. So I mean, they could right. have easily just kept the same wheelbase as the old rally car. Anyway, all right. So yeah. well, at this I'm point, it's worth mentioning all the we've we've seen pictures. So mm-hmm. we've seen a handful of pictures, and there's like a minute and a half long teaser video. Yeah. And so then there's going to be more of an in depth. They're actually calling it, saying it's going to be a six part launch control series either on the running of the car or maybe just the development of this car. So if, if it is actually a six-part video just on the development of the car, that would be really interesting. This is and entirely speculative is what he said. We, we, don't yeah. know what, we don't know how detailed they're going to be with mm-hmm. how far they went down. But right. in that minute-and-a-half teaser video, I mean, it's clear that like they took it down to the unibody and then they cut a whole bunch of stuff out. Yeah. Um, Tasso was in here the other day and we were looking at pictures and he made the obvious point that, well... That's a McPherson rear suspension. So, like, they have completely cut out all of the suspension mounting points for the rear suspension and replaced it with their own, and it's McPherson. Right, but they didn't lengthen or shorten the chassis or the wheelbase. Doesn't seem like. Yeah, so so yeah. the longer wheelbase will make right. it less nimble. I know that about cars. So so here's here's where this gets interesting, and this is this is the It could line. be more stable, though. Right, well, Which, but this is this is why they had to redevelop this car or develop a new car because basically ARA got rid of the open class, so now the top tier class in ARA is the R5 class, and which is a, an established class in Europe, which is based I think it's R5. It's, it's either R1 or R5. Let us know in the comments. But basically, it's it's one step below what like the the open WRC cars are. And so this is like the, the highest level of car that you can run without being in the open right. over in Europe. But it's basically the same rule set as this R5 because what they wanted to make it sure that was possible was that if you have an R5 car in Europe, you can bring it over here and run it in the oh, U.S. Cool. Uh, because, and, and know that basically that is now the top class. That, that is the same rule set and all that. So right. that there's a parity. Because what was what was happening, a little bit of off the weeds here, but there was a couple people like Ken Block was one, and uh, and I can never remember the other guy's name, but they got some of the um, couple year old WRC cars, like right before they went to the hybrid era, and they've started running those in open class against Subaru, um, and, and just mopping it. Well, up. <laughs> no, there's there's a good battle there. Oh, okay. um, but you know. Those cars, I mean, the development, the cost around those cars and stuff, it's just bananas. Astronomical, like, yeah. For, for a privateer running rally, if you're running against Subaru, I mean, they're, they're basically the factory-backed, the factory-backed option. Yeah. And everybody else is, like, 
fighting against this factor back team, it yeah, makes it a lot more challenging. David and considering last year, like Subaru was fighting against these like previous WRC yeah. cars, and they were really struggling to yeah. be competitive with yeah. it. Like, yeah. You can only imagine how it felt for a privateer that got ended up in that class, someone who well, wasn't a factory. And it's, it's not that hard to do things that put you into open class. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, just as an example, you know, Sam, the guy that built the, the Ferrari engined uh, Subaru, in part, that was because um, he, he, he was in open class and he's like minutes away from the factory guys. Um, so what, what can you do? Like, he's got to go and do some crazy out of the box yeah. thinking to try and find a way like, okay, how can I make a car that's a little bit, even has a chance to be competitive sure. with these factory back teams. Um, and so that's, I mean, if that's the open class and that's, that's the arena, it's just, it doesn't really foster a lot of competition. Sure. You know, because it's, it's like now it's a, it's a class for whoever has the biggest, you know, funding to, to grab an old two-year-old WRC car and bring it in. Yeah. So that was one of the funny comments that I actually heard on the Mm -hmm. reveal was one of the Subaru guys talked about how, oh, we wanted to have an out-of-the-box solution and Uh we've done this like extensive development, but that was kind of part of my point about using the old chassis surprised me was I kind of thought it was going to be more of an out-of-the-box, using the new drivetrain, mm. trying to develop on that mm-hmm. type of a mentality with this new, you know, well, new see, platform, new rally car. This is the but interesting thing. it seems thing. like they're, they're really calling back to the old two-liter cars and think about, that. Think about NASCAR, though. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. NASCAR well, used a small-block Chevy-based engine, might still use one, and small-block Chevys haven't been going into cars since, like, 1997. Right. So it took 20 years for motorsports to move away from that old-school technology because it works and there's regulations around it. And Subaru's done a ton of R&D on... like So what it looks like this car has is still the WRC-spec EJ engine, which is the 2-liter closed deck. I want to say it's... The EJ20K is what it's based on, um, and that's what they, they they for a while they were running the 2.5 liter engines earlier on, and they just they they because they were having to do a lot of the development, they just never got it to be as reliable as they wanted to, and then that's where they switched to basically the WRC engine. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, like the the Super GT 300, uh, BRZ 300 also runs the WRC engine. Yep. Um, the only car, the only factory back Subaru car, race car that I've seen that is actually on the new FA platform, I think it's the FA24, is the Nürburgring STI. That car is definitely running an FA based engine, and they they mm-hmm. did it in that Endurance series, which is really interesting. Um, so going, I think back, here, oh, go going back to what I was saying as far as the chassis goes, uh, the track width, I think, is good. It's, well, it's going to be a really solid, stable car. And what what you said about it not being in the open class might explain why I think the era looks so boring. Yeah. Like, I'm, that's, I'm that's so... That's one of the things that, they, that basically they took away from the open class. In, in comparison to the VA yeah. rally cars, this is so boring. Yeah, it looks very it, mellow. Like I, yeah, I it, like, yeah. It's like, I'm, it, it I'm bored by it. It's not sexy like the old one yeah. was. So, so here's the really interesting part that, that you have to keep in mind because they basically are are moving the top tier class in ARA to an already established class of the R5. This is a new car for Subaru. They've never built a car to this class before, but this class has been around for a good long while. Yeah, there are R5 cars. There's there's a lot of them over in Europe. There's a whole, I mean, there's probably over 100, 200 of these R5 cars that are competing over in Europe. And there have right. been a couple people that have brought R5s, R5 class cars over here. The people that have been running in that class, they've had a handful of years to develop and, and figure out what works. Subaru's coming into it, um, you know, fresh and new. Like, this is not something that they've really been paying close attention to. And I think that the R5 cars are generally on some of the smaller chassis from yeah. you know, the, the cars in Europe. So that's where it's going to be really interesting to see, can this new Subaru, that is probably bigger, yeah. mm-hmm. still Both hang with these smaller and, and like well-developed 
uh, R5 cars. That was another thing I noticed almost instantaneously about the engine bay is I think in the VA cars, they still had a metal uh, tub and everything forward of the strut tower was all still sheet metal. I don't know that for sure, but I instantly noticed everything in front of the strut tower it's cut out carbon yeah. Kevlar, like it, they've, they've been they, two chassis for a few years where like they can just like undo some bolts and like pull the whole engine and drivetrain out, right? But now, yeah, everything is carbon, so like weight. Uh, it seemed like they were working really hard to try to get as much weight, weight yeah. and out of it as they can because it is a heavy car. So, here's the other really interesting thing about the engine I mean, we've only seen one picture of the engine bay, which like it shows a lot and also not a lot, so little, yeah. Like, um, it's dry sumped. And, and so put in the comments if you've been to an event or got a picture, but I think this is the first dry sumped rally car that Subaru has run. Mm, um, I don't remember if they had a dry sump on the last chassis. I don't, I don't think they did. Because like yeah, in WRC, they weren't allowed to run dry sumps. Yeah. So they were always based around like the factory, factory oiling system because that was one of the requirements. Um, I'm just oh, curious. Yeah, the family Huckster, I think, has a dry sump for sure. That's yeah. one engine bay that I saw that has yeah, it. Then the Air Slayer, but those, it's yeah. kind of like maybe they were trying some things that they wanted to try here yeah. on those cars, but it was not, it was a different engine because that was, those are the billet 2.5s or 2.3s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the D stroke. Uh, D stroke ones. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, um, it completely makes sense. Everything you can lower the engine in the chassis. You can improves reliability. Yeah, improves your reliability. You make some more yeah. power. Like all these things add up. What kind of fuel do they have to use? I don't know. I don't know if it's fuel probably race gas, isn't it? I think I'd it's. I think it's race gas. I don't know how limited the fuel is. Um, that's a good question. But can look into the it. fact that they're not on ethanol is probably also good at least for the dry sh dry sump like mm, that potentially. yeah there's not as much water getting into the oil in that case yeah. so you know yeah dry I mean, dry sump good dry sump heavy uh, i mean it's i mean a little bit there's a little bit of weight but it's yeah. not but the the gain you get out of it from being able to drop the engine in the chassis and 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 just improve the, like the, the PCV system reliability. The crank, yeah. You know the venting in the crankcase to ensure that you've got like really good oil supply. Um, yeah, it's good. And is that still the case where you can't run dry sump in WRC? Man, I, ever since they've they've gone to the hybrids, I couldn't tell you. Oh like, yeah. I, I mean, I just don't know. I, because I not followed them. If, if that's the case, then is Subaru going to have to develop wet sump? Or are the R5 or open, or I guess they, they won't be able to come over here. The R5 guys being able to come here, mm -hmm. they would probably need a dry sump to compete. So those guys are going to have to. I don't think I don't think they would need it to compete. They I think wouldn't that, need it, I think but it would be worth some horsepower. It depends on the platform too. Like some platforms yeah. don't and have as those guys, many issues as the EJ. There was so much development for that R5 class. I mean, it's. I they, think they, yeah. they've got it. They, I think that they're reliable. Yeah. So they either they have it or they don't, but they they know what the reliability. Is. Sure. But no, uh, yeah. The the new rally cars cool factor has definitely gone down, at least in my opinion. Like the wing, goofy looking. Yeah, <laughs> it has to be. I think it, it all has, it has to be to like be. factory based. You, I think you have to do factory based aero or something like that. It can't be. Well, I mean, really what about the big huge box? Fenders, like that's not factory that's a, based. That is an interesting one. I don't know how they're getting around that. Yeah, and it looks like they're. Are they back to a front mount radiator? Yeah. Yep, and and it's got a front mount, a low front mounted turbo. Well, so it's it, hard to tell from the picture if it has a front mounted radiator. Because that looks I like a charge pipe coming around the left well, side. But I think I see fans there. Look, like it's hard to tell. I think the inner cooling lines. fans. This, this is where we need to get the videos. Yeah, yeah I'm really sure. curious. You have seeing. pictures of the cooling system of this car. That's Comment right. them. <laughs> Send us links. <laughs> we well, want to see more. I I like that they're being more open with what they're doing. I mean, I because they've never really done this. Before. They've never, they've always been fairly secretive about what they're doing with yeah. the rally cars. Um, I mean, I remember talking to some of the competitors, uh, like um, Tim Wickberg was in, and he was just like, yeah, it's, it, 
very difficult to even get a picture of their engine bay. Yeah. Even when they're in service because they're just very, like, secretive about yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that's funny about that is, like, you look at this car and there's, like, hey, I just bought a 22WRX. I want to turn it into a rally car just like Subaru. Like, out of the box. Yeah, like, like there's, <laughs> there's, there's nothing, a... there's nothing in, almost nothing in your car that relates to this race car. Like, the suspension is entirely different. Like, the the body is largely cut up and modified. The engine is completely different. Like, that's, everything is different. That's been the case for a long time. Though. Oh, for sure. Yes. But, so then this goes back to the original thing we were talking about with STI supporting the BRZ. What do you, overall, what do you think of that? How, like... Yes, the, the car looks cool. It's, it's going to be fast. It's going to be competitive. It, it's an amazing effort that Vermont Sports Cars put in to create this car. But knowing how different it is from anything that is available, what do you... I think that's does, where... Is it still cool? Or yeah, I think that's where a little of my like disappointment kind of stemmed from. Like I was saying, it's like I did have a little bit of hope for maybe some sort of new development in that regard mm-hmm. towards this new class, this new chassis, yeah. you know, something that is more out of the box and available for consumers. Because mm-hmm. that has been a little bit of my irk with all of the rally cars in the past is like, it's a Subaru, but like, right. it's a Sedev six-speed sequential that you could never get into your WRX without like hundreds of thousands of dollars of development. And yeah, you can do all it, of these yeah, things. The like, checkbook is significant. They're right. amazing, and they really do push the envelope for like mm-hmm. Subaru development. But then, how much really does trickle down to like the average STI owner or the average yep. new WRX owner that? And wants so this a is this is what I think is there. There's a disconnect there that. Subaru needs to be mindful of in that like you know, if you've got these crazy performance platforms that are that are doing well that are successful and they're fast and all that sort of stuff but there's literally almost no connection back to the cars that you're making and you're selling like yeah I mean there will be enthusiasts because they like you know the Subaru brand out there competing in rally or being fast or whatnot but if there's if there's like no connection whatsoever between the cars that you're going out there to buy and the ones that you're watching to race, the enthusiasm or the enthusiast base, in my opinion, is not going to be as strong. But when you when you have more of a connection, like if you go back to the early 2000s and there was a lot more similarity between the Subaru Rally cars, the cars that you're buying. And the, and the guys that, like, I'm buying an STI, and I know that it's going to be my daily driver for three years, then I'm going to put a cage in it, and then I'm going to turn it into a rally car, and the guys that did that. Yeah. And then they're going out there, and they're running the rallies with the Subaru team, and there's way more commonality. That, that's kind of exactly what I was going to say, is, like, all these, the rally car parts that were developed for STIs, those were developed 20 years ago. When Group N was a thing. Yeah. And so it had to be a true factory part that was bolted onto the car. That's a good point. Group N was the class. Group N was the class. So a factory based car. This is like a double edged sword because right now I can't think of anybody using a twenty four or twenty whatever on WRX as a rally car. I don't know of anybody doing that. There might be a few out there. I just don't know. I, I but I also don't fo- follow rally that closely. I mean, like... Well, as soon as the price comes down, the most they will come. The most non-factory-backed person I can think of that used a really <clears throat> new chassis was, I think, Ken Block last year. He had, like, basically the same car as, like, the Subaru rally cars. Like, the FA chassis rally cars, I think. Well, but I'm trying to think of another I person. Just, let let us know in the comments once again. Sure. But but uh, the BRZ is the example. I'm I'm actually continued to be surprised how many people are, are rallying BRZs. I yeah. mean, Tim Whitberg mm-hmm. uh, is one of the local guys who's doing it, and then there's a handful of them across the country. And and that car they're running in the two wheel drive class, uh, two wheel, two wheel drive limited, I think. Um, but it's uh, it's I mean it's a caged BRZ. They're not by and large going in and redoing anything to the rear suspension they're using the stock setup for the for the BRZ rear suspension um, so like if once again double edged sword if there was that lower class of 
cars that dudes were buying this car to go out and drive this class with mm-hmm. like used to be done back in the day with yeah. you know the group end stuff where a restriction of the class is every part on this car has to come out of the factory right has to have a factory part number yeah i think that would help kind of spur on the development and then the other side of that yeah. double-edged sword is now there's not a open balls to the wall let it all rip that subaru can really push that envelope with so now we're they're limited a little bit more and so they have to save that crazy stuff for the special projects like the nurberg cars or well ken block or not ken block the air slayer and the family huxley exactly pastrana cars and stuff like that so like that true development necessity has shrunk. So, and so I don't like that. Here's another aspect that this, this was before your guys' time, which makes me feel really old, but we're going to go there. In the early days when we were rallying, because the factory cars were so close to what everybody else was running and whatnot, when, when Subaru, the, the trucks would run out there, there was one truck that was the parts truck. But the thing is, is that any competitor could go and buy parts off of that truck. It was basically a rolling parts department from a Subaru dealership. That's so sick. There was mm-hmm. so many times that that truck saved our bacon and, and so many other people's bacon. So they'd like, hey, you have to carry spares and you want to carry spares. But like if you're, I mean, there was one time when we needed an axle because we'd blown up a, an axle or something like that. And, and we went up to the parts truck. I need a WRX axle. And they're like, here you go. Put it in, kept on trucking. It's wicked. And there was, I mean, that they were the only ones that were doing it. Yeah. But that, that's when there was way more Subarus even than, than today running. Because if you're going to build a rally car and you want to get into rally and you know how much of a war of attrition rally is and how many parts you go through. Yeah. Okay, well, this manufacturer's got a parts truck at the event that that's I know that, that, like, I'm, I'm going to have parts support from them at these events, like, why would no you brain. want to build anything other no than brain. that because you've got so much support? For sure. But now, I mean, I don't think they do that is either as much or at all anymore. And with as, as bespoke as these rally cars are, like, yeah, they, they've I'm sure they've got a parts truck. They've, they've got, got two semi-trucks full of their spares. Yeah, the sedan. Yeah, yeah. And yeah but it's, it's not that anything that relates to what anybody else No, is nobody else. And don't go on our truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. You're not even allowed to see those parts. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it kind of brings it back to like if the manufacturer supports the enthusiasts, then that brings the enthusiasts in their cars to the events. Yeah, for sure. Because just like I said, like man, if I'm building a rally car and I know that I have that level of support, it's a no-brainer what platform I'm going to try and build into a rally car. For sure. And with motorsports kind of doing what they're doing. It's tough to justify for the manufacturer to do that. Sure, sure. And even if, like, let's say Subaru started sending a truck to Gridlife's or, like, those bigger events, maybe that they do, you know, like the um, Superlap battles. I don't know if there's a Subaru truck there. But I do know there are a lot of Subarus at those events. And... The guys that are looking at building a car, well, and, and this is this is tricky because like time attack and, and more yeah. road racing stuff, like yeah. it's you're going to be using a lot more bespoke stuff anyway. Yeah. So so, but, but there, there's there's, there's street classes. There, 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 there are classes street classes, stuff, and then you've yeah. also got like the sensors that everyone uses and needs. Let's bring it back to the BRZ. Let's let's take it back and let's keep it more simple. It's yeah. Like all right, to your point, Dylan, Subaru doesn't have a BRZ spec racing series that they're supporting. No. But there's a lot of people that are running BRZs at a lot of these... In various like, classes. grassroots yeah. motorsports classes. It was what if, super, super popular at cone racing. Yeah. So, like, yeah. what if what if Subaru put together a small parts truck that was built around supporting the BRZ mm-hmm. and, like, put four or five of them together across the country and then, like, have them go out to support people that are running BRZs yeah. at these local events. Like, hey... You bent a suspension, whatever. We've got you covered, or yeah, yeah. You know, Basically, a, a couple spares of everything in a truck. Yeah, like it wouldn't be that hard to do. Or companies yeah. like Hoosier, for example, will put up little reward prizes. Like, right. hey, if you right. 
place on podium in an event in XYZ right. legitimate class, yeah, you get you know a little prize money. A, a you get a you know you gift card tire. to Subaru yeah. Parts online or you know right, whatever right. Flatirons Tuning if you want to give us some money for that Subaru. But <laughs> it's one of those yeah. like there's if you're if you're an enthusiast and you're coming at looking at a car that you know that you want to use in a certain way to compete with, you know. One of the factor, one of the things that factors in there is okay. Well, what kind of help or support can I, can I get, if anything, from the manufacturer? Right. And it's, it's, it's just. I guess my my ultimate point is, it's really cool what Subaru is doing. I I think it's going to be really fun to to watch. You know what they what they shows for the development of the cars, then to see this car go out there and compete, and how competitive is it? See what how it all works out. But at the same time, it's like I want to see what. I want to see that, that there's a connection, that there's a there's a um, uh, an importance, of, uh, a priority put on the enthusiast base too. It's not just like we're, we've got this really cool race team that's out here doing cool stuff. Yeah. and that's it. We want we want to do that. We want to we want to champion the super brain and go out there and, and compete here. But we also want to be like support to some degree of the enthusiasts to help more people take our cars out and use them the way that we want them to the, use the connection of race on Sunday sell on Monday sell on Monday yeah. is kind of getting lost for oh, sure, for sure. Yeah. for sure yeah. unfortunately yeah. and the glory days of motorsports are over like we have to realize that it's changing a lot it's changing a lot and yeah, they're changing they might not necessarily be over but it's like they, the future is coming. They right? finished in, things are in going, the 80s. Yeah, things like, are going a different <laughs> way right now. I feel like. Yeah. And there's some resurgences in different classes or different types of racing, like Le Mans prototypes right now. Mm-hmm. Insanely fun to watch and pretty cars and mm-hmm. cool paint jobs and lots different... Of lots of development. And yeah. cool old school manufacturers. Like, yeah, that's back. Yeah. But F1 is as boring as it has ever been right now. And it's, and it's more popular than it's ever been. And it's more popular than it's ever been, which blows my mind. But well, it, in a good way. In a good way. It's because the racing is not as compelling, but now everybody knows all the backstories and stuff yeah. that are going on. And yeah. so it's like it, the, racing, it's the, accessibility the racing is an thing. equal story compared to like all of the, the technology hurdles that, that right. the teams are going through and all the personnel and the driver shenanigans. But like think about it in the 70s, yeah. 80s, 90s, like NASCAR was watched as much as football was. Yeah. And now, yeah. you like I don't know anybody who like actually goes and sits down to watch a NASCAR race. Well, and, I think they're still there. It's just like the viewership online is, is less. Is, yeah, it's way lower. And the... Like drifting has absolutely exploded and yeah. gone insane, and th- I remember going to drift events even like five years ago. Yeah, and there's parking everywhere. They don't care if you park in the pits. Right. Now it's strict and packed out, and you have to park in the dirt. Like, right? It's there's a lot of spectators at these events. So, regardless of all of that, the grassroots needs to be supported. Mm-hmm. By manufacturers, by the aftermarket, like by the community, support your grassroots events and the manufacturers that put that energy into it. So I want to ask here in in this podcast, and if you get to this point and you're listening, thank you, but answer this. How significant or important is motorsports to you? If you if you watch this to this point. Do, you, do you, is motorsports a big deal to you? Like, yeah. are you super hyped to see Subaru competing and rally to this level? Is motorsports not a big deal to you? Yeah. Is it is it something that like, if you stumble across it, oh, I'll, I'll watch it, or is it something that is just like not even a blip on your radar? Yeah, and also, it is uh, a manufacturer's motorsports current team and heritage important to your choice of vehicle? Mm. Because it entirely was when I was choosing like a platform for my first car was like Subaru's got racing heritage for 25 years past like where where we are right now. And 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 so especially back in the day, like with the GC chassis, the GD chassis, because the car was so competitive in these more stock based classes. You knew that if you got into Subaru, and this is this is I think what makes so much 
a Subaru a Subaru to, to this extent is you you knew that you were getting a really good chassis, a car that was yeah. going to be fun to drive, that would handle well. It's going to be great in the snow. That's and that also has a lot safe. of development. Yeah, like yeah, having a lot of work put into it for yeah. sure on that platform. And right? like basically, Subarus have integrated roll cages in every single right. one. Like that comes from the rally development side right. of things, right? Making the chat the unibody super stiff because of yeah. the because of the benefits and to the race. Even with a noodly GC, yeah. like I I'm never have felt unsafe in my car. Right, but but they've I've been unsafe to develop, in my car. But and they've they've continued to develop that. I mean, it just yeah. it keeps getting better yeah. from one chassis and to the next. Kind of same deal, like C6 Corvette, one of yeah. the greatest cars that exists. It won when it was GT GT three and GT two right. racing. Like it yeah. mocked them up. Yeah. Same thing with C seven. Same thing with C five. I also think like In Dodge yeah. currently, and for like most of history, right now there are still five hundred inch Hemi's running in every single funny car in every single top fuel dragster. Like Dodge engines, good stuff. Yeah. Well, to back to the Corvettes, like where the Corvettes started to get popular with the enthusiast base was like the C5. Was the C5. C, C4s, not, not nearly not as, as much. much. C3s, no. I don't think nearly as much. No, but they weren't but race was, cars at that point yet. Right, but it was because when they developed the C5, GM said, we want to make this a competitive car. Yep. So they, they developed the platform. They had their race series. They, they, they dominated their race series. Because they developed the chassis to succeed in the series. They did that. From then day one. they took one. that car and they said, okay, and now you can now you can buy this version of it. Yeah. Like, that's, it's, that's the it's connection. It's parallel development. That's where there's a connection yeah. between, like, the motorsports and then the enthusiast base. For sure. And then that one builds on the other and then you go out and you start. Same with Ferrari. Like, Ferrari's yeah. had racing heritage now for 70 years solid. Sure. sure. And Ferrari's my favorite brand. Yeah. Well, Porsche. it's. Like, it's it's be, yeah Porsche's Porsche another, is another great example. There's that example. connection between the motorsports, the exactly. cars that the manufacturers developing, and the connection to the enthusiasts. Yeah, and uh, there are manufacturers trying to carve that out. Like you've got your Hyundai's, right? Racing and rally, trying so to carve Hyundai out is an interesting example because there again, like there's nothing like you look at Hyundai and all their WRC success, and there's nothing you can go buy from Hyundai that's like in the ballpark even close to it and not to mention yeah they're doing that right now they haven't been doing that for 30 years true like subaru has true like corvette has for or like chevrolet has since like the 50s and And has since like the 50s i have a total funny tangent like you guys made that point about the corvettes how like the first few generations weren't necessarily meant to be as much of a sports car yeah no no no, no. they were they were sports cars they were not race cars sorry but like i think it'd be really funny to see the brz follow like a parallel of that like the second, third, fourth gen BRZs just start becoming more race cars and like have that like class support from Subaru. It'd be really cool sure. to see something like that. You know, like, so <laughs> so there, there's an interesting, I, I don't know if we'll ever see this, but there's one thing now, knowing what this new rally car is built around, I, I would want to see Subaru now take this car that they built, which now should fit back into the European rally class. And go over and there. go over there, and now take this car that's competing over here and does whatever it does Compete over here. against the Peugeots. Go and... go over to Europe and see how how the Subaru hangs in Europe in the R5 class. Um, Europe's roads are different. The the, the roads They're are different. Way different. But, They're smaller. But, like to me, if like one of the whole ideas that the overarching scheme here is to make American Rally plug and play with a lot of the European Rally uh, series or, or, or uh, classes. So the one you can have more people come over from Europe that just want to run on some of America's roads. Yeah. See what it's like. Come see over what the to rally a season, like have some fun. Here. But then you can also have American drivers that are competing over here, and like if they're trying to get a seat over in Europe, like well, you're if you're driving an R5 car over here and you're you're putting up these kind of times, then it's more known. Okay, well, I could plug you into our R5 car, and I and more maybe know it what, fits your driving style better. Whatever. Well, know know how competitive you're going to be in in the European right. series. So maybe it opens the door for some Americans to go over and run in more. Which is great. Rally. Like I think there's in uh, F1 this year, there's been a lot of backing behind Logan Sargent, I believe Logan is Sargent, the American yeah. driver. Yeah. 
simply because he's American. Yeah. So I think that could also be, you know, another foothold for rally worldwide to kind of... It would bridge the gap. It would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, rally is so much more popular in Europe than it is here. Yeah. And and that's that's like a whole other discussion for another day, like why certain motorsports are popular over here and not... Like, how did Formula One break through? Because Formula One was not popular over here for so long, and now it is. Availability to the masses. Drive to survive. Dr- exactly. Is what a lot of people... Is the answer. Is what a lot of people point answer. to. Yeah. But then rally doesn't have much of an equivalent of that. No. So. And uh, the other thing about rally and kind of stage style racing it's so hard to watch it you get to see the car go by one time yeah like it's not I, I spectated i spectated rally colorado once and it was just it was weird i i mean it's fun it's cool but it's like you you drive for 20 30 minutes and you get to your spectator point and you sit there and you see the car you get to watch all of them do that and then you climb back in your car it's like one or two corners yeah when you get back in your car, you drive 30 or 40 minutes to the next spectator point, and you can see the car, wah, you get one or two corners. Like, you yeah. can't, like, you can't... You don't get, really a get a lot of, of action, and especially for the amount of work you do. Like, right. it's camping wherein you get to see a car rip by occasionally. Right. Like, and, and that's in Europe, but because of the budgets, I mean, they've got helicopters and stuff, and they're, there's, they're, they're better able to capture... The race as it's yeah. unfolding and the front runners and stuff, and that's to a certain extent what's missing over here. And like, but the budget to even to, to broadcast that just becomes kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, to do something to the level that F one has like their subscriber program, where like mm-hmm. every car has a camera streaming in it, and you can watch like statistics yeah. from those cars. Like, to imagine the logistics of something like that for rally is just blows my mind like i it would be hundreds of thousands of dollars millions of dollars probably millions millions of dollars yeah hundreds of thousands of dollars per car to set up the sensors just to like do it and yeah it would be really cool if maybe a bunch of manufacturers somehow got together to create something like that like something where a bunch of brands can contribute to that in rally and in some of these other motorsports like drift that are becoming popular. Well, drifting is drifting is easier because it's it's a it's, it's a still contained in it. space exactly. Yeah. yeah, that that rally is just an absurd challenge from a from a broadcast standpoint because like everything is moving over literally hundreds of miles mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere and in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. It's difficult to do. And also, I know Americans, and we ain't going to do that. Well, We're not going to go spectate. I, I think <laughs> that if people had more... Rally is there, there, it's a, it is a really cool form of motorsport. And for if, sure. And if it was more attainable for people to really see more of what happens in a rally and to see more of the cars actually running at speed and get more of the picture of how the race unfolds that's why i like desert racing way more than i like rally racing is because you can see the plume of dust way out yonder and you get to watch him you know eating up whoops coming towards you for two miles and then like but they've done they've also done a really good job of of trying to capture that story of the events like true what i'm thinking of is it was it dust to glory where they're talking about the baja 1000 and it was with red bull where they followed like three teams through the whole body. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's one of those, it's almost one of those things where you can't do it live at the event. But when you have documentary crews that can follow drivers, yeah, through through the whole thing, and then you can see much more of what the car is doing. Yeah, what the service is like. I'm also just way more likely to go spectate at that. Yeah, sure, for sure. But to you Subaru's know. credit, that's one thing they do really well, and they're starting with to the do launch more sure. with, with like launch, control. launch control. This new series, you know, highlighting the development of the new car. Yeah. It's really exciting to see some of that trickling in, and I just hope for that sure. we can keep that momentum going, keep growing. And, and on I that. think that it's like for Subaru to be able to justify the expense, there has to be it, it has there has to be return on the investment. Yeah, that that's I, I'm spending all of this money. What are we getting out yeah. of it? And I mean, to me, my, my biggest fear is that for Subaru, that like that connection is that I think they've lost track of that connection to a certain extent, but I also think that they might be puzzling at that as well. It's like, well, what are we just, I mean, I can only imagine the cost to develop these new set of rally cars, but it's probably in the seven figures. 
if not eight. So so it's like, what are what is Subaru going to get out of that? And and if there's if the cars are so different and, and they're losing that connection with the enthusiast base, then it makes it more challenging for them to be able to justify the expense potentially. Yeah. So so that's where like when my thought is like you've got to that as a manufacturer you have to keep that connection with the enthusiast base to keep people excited about the brand and what what your car is doing, but also what they can do with their cars, and and follow in your footsteps with what with what the the factory back teams are doing. Right. That's that's the key. I mean. I think they're also leaning into kind of the other side of what Subaru, the Subaru brand has become known for with mm-hmm. EVs and like things like mm-hmm. that. I feel like they're leaning into that way harder than they are the enthusiast. Well, well they're base. trying to change. They're trying to pivot into this new direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, they're trying to figure out well what what does that mean for for Subaru? What does that look like? And I mean I don't I don't think they know yet. I, I don't know I, yet. I don't know yet. Yeah, no. I, I agree. I think the win on Sunday and sell on Monday. It still exists. Absolutely it still, still exists. Still hundred percent exists. Yeah, and, for but sure. there's it's gotten a lot murkier and it's a lot harder to do. But that's where if Subaru can figure it out, there's a huge potential. There. And, and there's, it's, it seems like they are having some success with that because we've talked in the past mm-hmm. already about how the new gen WRX is actually selling really well. Yeah, yeah, I see a lot, lot of them. them. Yeah, I see a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yes, which is a good thing. I mean, it still is filling a very small section, or the section of market that it fills. There are not very many cars in, right? Like a turbo stick shift sedan. Yeah. As they go right now, right. there are not a lot of them. Like Mitsubishi isn't making one. Just just a turbo sedan. Like there's just yeah, not there out there. And uh, at the no. price point, Malibu. That's turbo sedan. It's not mm-hmm. a fun turbo sedan. It's a two point three liter sedan with a turbo. Like mm-hmm. your Hyundai's or Kias or yeah. the the Korean pieces. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're usually turbo. Like you got the yeah. N series from Hyundai. Right. So. Yes, it's still a, it's a small section of the market, but what Subaru's got on everybody is the heritage. Sure. And the pedigree that gets understated, but it also needs to be maintained. So I understand why they're still, you know, going so hard and leaning so hard into maybe things that aren't quite as popular and going back to what you were saying with return on investment, like it doesn't make sense to spend that hundreds of thousand dollars per car to make the broadcast easy or yeah, to make the, to make yet, the broadcast yeah. possible. Yeah. So the other thing I'm seeing with maybe this new drive to survive series is when I was watching the previous drive to survives, I'm locked in 100% while they're building the cars. As soon as they go start racing the cars, I get bored. I'm the same way just when I watch regular old YouTube. Like, you know, I think we've seen yeah. this on our videos. Like, the videos at the track doing things don't do anywhere near as well as, true. like, build videos. Yeah. So, I'm hoping with the development content... At least it'll well. keep it'll keep me locked in, sure, for sure. sure. Yeah, but we'll have to, we'll and have then to some kind of some R and D videos. Like I'll watch that to w- see how their their efforts played out. Right. But like ultimately, I'm bored by yeah the event videos personally. If I'm not yeah. watching the live stream of an event, ah, I don't really care. Yeah, it's it is interesting where the story of a motorsports event grabs you. Sure. Yeah. And did they win? Did they crash? Right. Yeah. <laughs> did the car blow up? Well, and, and to, to the point of drive to survive, it, and we should probably wrap it up here after this. But it's it's the story of the background. Where if you're yep. watching the race, this is this is the other part of it that you would have no idea yep. unless you like read magazines, like listen to reporters, do podcasts or whatever that talk about all the behind the scenes stuff. Well, that's that's what all drive to survive is. It's or, almost none of the racing. Yeah. Or like. Uh, when you've got a weird year like this yeah. year, Le Mans was really weird. Ferrari was back. Yeah. Cadillac was back. Yeah, the Peugeot was out there. Yeah, like there were 
so many cool things happening at Le Mans this year. I was locked in the whole way watching live stream. I was getting, yeah. I was on an airplane watching it. Yeah. Like, it well, was so great it is, is that because it's weird. It, but there's other stories to get the same level of connection and yeah. engagement with the motorsports event other than just the cars running around. The yeah, and it also helps when it's brands you like. Like sure. Subaru doing sure. awesome at rallies. Yep. I'm with that. Yeah, which is like what, what she was doing with launch control. Yeah, for sure. Or, yeah. you know, Ferrari racing at Le Mans. Cadillac racing at Le Mans, sure. like all brands that you're really into, it's cool to watch that stuff. When Volkswagen had the IDR going yeah. up Pikes Peak, and I know the, the development Vol- story. Of it. I know yeah. the Volkswagen dudes were going crazy for yeah. it. So, and it's a complete one-off. It has nothing to do with anything it has, you can buy. Exactly, it has a Volkswagen just, sticker on it. I want to see what the what this manufacturer is doing to, to try and run this car. Push push the motorsports side of everything, yeah. and that's just going back into the heritage, pedigree, current success right. like right all those things add up into making a car brand cool yeah so yeah a lot of different uh, a lot of different ways to kind of find motorsports and engage with it so yeah let us know let us know what you yeah, like let to us ask. Know. So what does it does it matter does it not matter what do you like what don't you like yeah all that good stuff exactly so, cool well go to places I need to wrap it up here thanks very much for watching thanks for your support as always uh, hugely uh, appreciate everything you guys you do for us to let us come back and, and keep having these conversations. Yeah. So until next time, as always, stay tuned to Flatiron's Tuning. Thanks everyone for tuning in to the Flatiron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. Once again, we'd like to let you know that your support is what makes this show possible. Be sure to check out our online store at flatironstuning.com for any of your aftermarket or OEM Subaru parts needs. And as always, stay tuned with Flatiron's Tuning.